Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We've been talking about the all-important uh, ministry of faith, the life of faith and the, and the life of the believer. So uh, we've talked about it's so important. Why? Well, because without the faith in the gospel, then all that Jesus lived for, all that he suffered for, all that he died for benefits no one. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 makes it very clear that the gospel does not benefit us if we don't mix faith with it. So that means faith can never be overstated or overemphasized. It is absolutely essential. And if you were here with us last week and you heard about Andrew's testimony, you know that he's alive today because of faith, faith in the accomplishments of Jesus. And so I thank God for that. As far as we're concerned, what's more important than that than have your child alive? You know, it's almost like this. You know, my, I have a 2020 Ford Escape out there. But you can have a 2024 escape or you can have a 2023 whatever. Sit it in your driveway and that's probably a good potential that you have there in your driveway. Probably to take you to work, school, wherever, whatever, to the store, grocery shopping, etc. But if there's no gas in it, you could look at it for a long time. It's not going to benefit you one iota, is it? No. If there's no battery in it, not going to get you anywhere. The gospel is the same way. The gospel is the power of God that changes lives, but you've got to mix faith with it. If you don't mix faith with it, it's not going to benefit us. And so that's how important and essential faith is in the accomplishments of Jesus. As we continue our study, look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And we desire that every one of you do show the same laziness to, to the what? Which is continued application. Applying ourselves continuously to this all-important thing. The same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. Now notice that you be not slothful or lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. What does it take to inherit the promises of God? Faith and patience. If he would have said doubt and unbelief, we would have no problem. Right? But he said, no, it takes faith and patience. As a matter of fact, faith has to have three supports. We know that it's necessary to have love, hope, and patience. Because you see, faith works by love. Love is the energizing force behind our faith. Hope is necessary because faith is the substance of what we hope for. Right? So if a person is in a state of hopelessness, faith has nothing to give substance to. So sometimes the first of the process is to get them into hope. 
they hope for something that faith can give substance to. The woman with the issue of blood. She lost all hope. She was in a state of hopelessness. Spent all that she had, was nothing better, rather grew worse. And there she was, suffered many things. But then someone came along and says, if you touch Jesus, all of a sudden her hope arose within her soul once again. And then she kicked it up a level. Her faith moved her from that place to touch Jesus, and she got healed. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of that place. So we see it takes faith in order for us to tap into and experience all that Jesus died for. We have the gospel message. We have all the benefits of the gospel, but they don't profit us if we don't mix faith with it. Now, it's important that we understand that from the next verse on, verse 13 through 20, here's what the writer of Hebrews did. I think it was, he, it was Paul, but some say they don't know. Anyhow, doesn't matter. It's written, right? In these verses, we have a revelation of a foundation for faith. He talks about mixing the two, faith and patience. But then he goes on to say, and here is what faith is all about. This is the foundation for anyone who will study it to develop a strong life of faith. Let's read it first and then we'll comment. For when God made promise to Abraham, everybody say promise. Does that mean anything to you? It should. If you make a promise, do you keep your promise? Well, God made a promise. And because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. We'll get back to that in a little bit. Saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, there's where patience comes in, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show the, unto the heirs of what? Who's the heir of promise? It's not a trick question. We are. The heirs of promise, the immutability or the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon this hope set before us. Which hope we have, now notice this, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. To what length would God go to prove to us that he would keep his word or that if he made a promise, he would fulfill it? How extravagant would he be in doing so? You see, he wanted Abraham to know that once I make a promise, I will keep that promise so that you can have faith in what I said. Some people try to use the sovereignty of God to, let's say, Make it possible for God to tell a lie or to break a promise. When God makes a promise in his sovereignty, he has bound himself to that promise. Just like any parent would or any person would. In a marital relationship, you make vows to one another, etc., etc. You make a promise and you stand behind that promise. Your integrity stands behind that promise that you made or that vow that you made. If God could change and break his promise 
then he's not a God of integrity. Even in his sovereignty, he can't break a promise. And that's what he wanted Abraham to know. Now, Abraham wanted to be certain he could trust God and have faith in God. Now, let's take it from the human level first and foremost. We know that as individuals, let's just say we want to let someone know that you can trust that what I'm saying is true. I'm confirming that whatever I say is going to be absolutely the truth. It's a solemn statement that I make. Like, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. That, that goes all the way back to 1908. It comes from a, a Catholic background, and this is where it came from. Cross my heart, hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. In other words, I'm appealing to the God of heaven, and I'm letting people know that what I'm about to say is the absolute truth. Absolute truth. It's a religious statement that's being made. It's letting people know I'm appealing to a higher being than I am, God himself. And I'm letting you all know that once I make this statement, it confirms that what I'm saying is true. What about this other one? I swear on my mother's grave. So all of you, follow me to Youngstown, to Lake Park Cemetery on the south side of Youngstown, so I can swear on my mother's grave. Now, why is that... It's funny, but why is that important to know? Why does a person make such an assertion? Why would someone say something like that? Because what you're saying is this. My mother is very important to me. And my mother being at rest eternally is important to me too. But I'm letting you know that if I lie about what I'm about to say, I, what I'm saying is I invoke upon her unrest for eternity. So now you know I'm swearing upon my mother's grave. I don't want her to incur that in her life throughout eternity, which I know is not true. But that's the point that they're trying to make. They're trying to let you know what I'm about to say is true. How about this one? If what I'm saying to you is not true, let lightning strike me. <laughs> I don't want to be around you. What's the point behind all that? I'm trying to drive home into your heart that what I'm saying is absolutely the truth. What other method can we use? What other means can we use? Well, look at Genesis chapter 15 and verse 8. Now notice this is from the Amplified Bible. That what is up, what's up there is not the Amplified Bible. That's the classic version of the Amplified Bible, which is why I wrote it in the notes. You will see it. He, and, but he, Abraham, said, Lord God, by what proof, it says in the, in the new version of the Amplified Bible, shall I know that I shall inherit it? By what proof? I want proof. Now remember, God made many promises to Abraham. And we'll go over those in just a moment. But he made certain promises to Abraham. He took him out of the Ur of the Chaldees. He said, go find a city whose builder and maker is God. And I'm telling you that I'm going to be your exceeding great reward. I'm going to be your defense. I'm going to be your shield, your buckler, and your exceeding great reward. I will defend you, fight for you. I'm going to provide for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Abraham says, how can I know that you will follow through? 
You're asking me to do something that's very challenging and difficult in my life. How will I know you will follow up and not lie? How do I know I can trust you, in other words? Because you said something to me? Well, what about if I write something in the sky? I am God. You can trust me. That's not good enough. What if God said, uh, let me think here, something that would be good. Cross my heart and hope to die. <laughs> Stick a needle in my eye. Now that won't work. God can't die. Right? Well, what about if he said, I swear on my mother's grave. Uh, he doesn't have a mother. That's not going to work. Lightning he made. What about if he says, well, I swear by the universe. Now he's greater than the universe. What can God do? To confirm to someone like you, me, or Abraham, or anyone else. What can he do to make it very clear to us that what I'm about to say is true, and what I say I will back up? You heard the verse this morning, Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. It'll accomplish that which I purpose and fulfill the promise that I made. Whatever it might be, he says, I stand behind my word. But what can he show Abraham? What can he do for Abraham to make it very clear? Well, look at Hebrews chapter thir- 6, verse 13 again. Or when, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. The only thing he can appeal to is himself. The only thing he can do to make it very clear to him would be this. I will make an oath. I will confirm an oath. And when I make an oath, when I give out my word or my promise, then you know what? I have to perform it or I forfeit my life. Well, look at Genesis 15, verse 18. For God to dishonor his name, his integrity... It would be like someone perjuring themselves in a court of law. In a court of law, what do, we, what do they want us to do? Appeal to God. I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Now, we know we don't, as Christians, swear. We confirm, but we don't swear by an oath. But God did. He swore by an oath. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, Unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So notice, he made a covenant, a compact. He made an agreement. He swore by an oath to Abraham. He said, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you descendants. And I'm going to give you blessings untold. That's my promise to you. I am promising you Right here and right now. So you see, Abraham is still out there saying, how do I know I can trust you? How do I know I can believe that you're going to back up your promises? Anybody can give a promise, make a promise. If you don't back it up, how good is it? How can I have faith if you can vacillate? How can I have faith if you and your sovereignty can say, yeah, I said that, but I was only kidding. See, tomorrow I was only kidding. No, he can't do that. God bound himself to his word when he swore by an oath. And the immutability of his counsel is that he cannot change. So what did he have him go do? Go get yourself five animals. A heifer was one. A ram was two. 
A goat was three. A pigeon and a dove. Get yourself a hoe, I guess, or a shovel and make yourself like a trough here. And I want you to take the heifer, the ram and the goat, and cut them down the middle and place them in that path. And then put the other two. He didn't cut them. He didn't cut them in half. He just placed them by, side by side. And what God did was perform what is called the walk of blood. The walk of blood. And in that walk of blood, before the walk of blood, he had Abraham fall into a deep sleep. Because as far as he was concerned, this is a one-sided thing. You could sleep, Abraham. I'm making a covenant with you. And in that covenant, you know, I'll obey my oath. I will bind myself to my word. You see, when you make a blood covenant, if you violate it, you die. That's the bottom line. So he makes this walk of blood, and God walks the walk of blood. And in the walk of blood, you pronounce the blessings and the cursing, but basically you say, thus shall it be unto me if I do not keep my promise or if I do not keep my word. He's walking in blood. Now Abraham sees this in his dream while he's in this deep sleep that God calls to come upon him. And he now knows that once God makes an oath or a promise, he cannot back out of that promise. Faith cannot happen in any person's life if you think that God can change in a heartbeat. And say, I was only fooling. Can't happen. You have to know to anchor your soul on something that is absolute. What's absolute? God swore by an oath. God put his word out there. God made a promise to us, to you, to all of us. And he cannot change. It has to be as he has spoken. Otherwise, he forfeits his life. And so when Abraham saw that, he was satisfied. Okay, I can trust you now. Look at verses, uh, look at Exodus chapter 32. I want to show you the power of this oath. Do you remember the story when Moses went up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, to get the uh, tablets of the law? Remember that story? And do you remember when he was up there, they were going crazy down on the earth and they were having their parties and all that? They were sinning against God, making a molten calf and all that. Remember that? And God looked down and said, Moses, he was unaware, he was oblivious. God said to Moses, Moses, get on down there. Your people that you brought out of Egypt, they've gone mad. They made themselves a molten calf. Look what they're doing down there. They're committing iniquity and blah, 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 blah. He says, go on down there. Get out of here, go down there and get them. And I'm telling you what, I'm telling you something right now. I am going to make a new nation. I'm going to wipe them off the planet. I'm going to have a new nation made out of you, Moses. Right? Put those verses up. Look what Moses says. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn. Oh, Moses, you're speaking to God. Turn from your fierce wrath and repent. <laughs> this is God speaking to Moses. Repent of this evil against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob, thy servants to whom thou what? Say it louder. 
What did he do? Thou swearest by thy own self. He found no one greater, so he swore by himself. Swear by thy own self and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken will I give to you, to your seed and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented. Say wow. wow. Say it backwards. Wow. Mm -hmm. Did you see that? On what basis did he intercede for Israel? On the basis of the covenant or the oath that God made. You ready for this one? Everybody that loves the Hebrew people, you ready for this one? If it were not for God swearing by an oath to Abraham, there would be no Israel today. Did you hear that? If God didn't swear by an oath, there would be no Israel. They'd have been gone a long time ago. But because God swore by an oath, whether they were how many 400 years here, there, the other way, in Babylon for 70 years, 400 years in Israel, whatever, they would have been wiped out. There would be no Israeli people. There would be no nation of Israel. But God swore by an oath. And think about this. God is so faithful to his promise, no matter what they had gone through, no matter what they're going through, they will always remain because God swore by an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he will fulfill his promise. Period. That's the bottom line. So when Abraham was told, I swear by myself, I swear by an oath. I enter a covenant relationship with you that I will not alter, I will not break, I will not change one iota. What I swore to, I will fulfill. That produces faith in a person. That's the foundation for our faith. If God can change, then we have no basis for faith. And this scripture here is one of my favorite scriptures, one of many. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God said he blesses Israel. Guess what? He blesses Israel. God says he'll defend Israel. Guess what? He defends Israel. No matter what they've been through, in the end, he's going to fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can't be any other way. It's when we get in our hearts and minds that it can't be in any other way than the way God said it. That's when you have faith. Now, I hear some wheels turning. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God made promises to us like that? Thank you. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. Anybody here in Christ? Anybody here belong to Christ? If you be Christ, then you're what? Who are we? And... That didn't sink in yet. You wouldn't be sitting there. Or what are we? Heirs. Heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. God made a promise to Abraham. We are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
We used to sing a song, Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham's blessings are mine. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in this field. I'm blessed in the basket. Blessed in the store. Oh, I set my hand to do will prosper. No weapon formed against me will prosper. He blesses my rising up, my lying down, my coming in, my going out. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and up and eat. Why? Because Abraham's blessings are mine. Hallelujah. Praise Him. Hallelujah. They belong to us. Now I want us to see the depth, the depth of this kind of faith. This is where the foundation for faith comes from. Someone says, well, if he doesn't want to heal you, he doesn't have to heal you. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, he already bore your sickness and carried your pains. And by his stripes, you were healed. It's a done deal. It's getting faith in what Jesus did. Do you see that? Now, you ready for this remarkable act of faith? It goes beyond anything we can comprehend. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. You see, it took Abraham a while to get a hold of this. Notice it said through diligence. Don't be slothful, but through diligence. Diligently get to this place of faith. Be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Okay, now here's the example of Abraham, who's the father of our faith. For by Abraham, or by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises, notice it's the promises, offered up his only begotten son. So now we see that God, who brought him out of the Ur Chaldees, and of course brought forth a son through Sarah, his wife, his name is Isaac, says to him, after he told him, you'll have descendants, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and take him up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. Before he ever had a child. Before Isaac ever had a child. Hmm, now he's stunned a little bit. He had to think about this. He had to think this one through. See, remember the sovereignty of God. In his sovereignty, he bound himself to his word. His word says you'll have land, descendants, and blessings. Okay. Hmm. I really got to meditate this one. Because you see, this statement is contradictive to that statement. If I kill him, he has no, I have no descendant. he has no descendants. If I don't kill him, I'm disobeying God. I got to figure this thing out. Come on, Abraham, think it through. Okay. If I kill him, I don't have any children. But I have to obey God, who said to kill him, offer him as a sacrifice. The Bible says he contemplated and went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. <gasps> the light bulb went off. If I kill him, God has to raise him from the dead because, you see, his promise cannot be broken. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So in other words, he played the whole thing out in his mind. He saw it in the spiritual realm. He said, yes, I see it, I see it, I see it. That's what faith is all about. God is... So, uh, such a God of integrity that if he said for me to kill him, he has got to raise him from the dead. I got it. I see it. Praise God. I am so convinced. You talk about confirming something, the oath to be true. I know the promise of God cannot be broken. So therefore, based on the fact that God cannot break his promise, even in his sovereignty, he cannot break his promise, that my son Isaac will have another, will have a Jacob, right? If I kill him, God has got to raise him up. So what does he do? Look at Genesis 
chapter 22. So Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. The previous verses say that he got himself together. He brought his servants with him. He brought the mule with him. He got everything ready. He goes up on the mountain. He has all the wood ready. He makes the altar, etc., etc. But he tells his servants to wait there at the bottom of the mountain because I'm going to go up there. We're going to sacrifice and we, we will be back. He was so confident that God had to honor his word. He was so confident that God could not break his promise. That faith took him to the depths of any father or mother's being saying that, not a problem here, let's go ahead and do it because God got to raise him from the dead. Now that's called faith. Would you want to be in his shoes? I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. One, one day I was, you know how Hollywood has their own versions of things? And I was watching on this one channel, it was going to be the, the life of Abraham. And it showed him at the bottom of Mount Moriah. And he was wailing and crying and why God would you have me to do this this is absurd and it was like as if he was afraid to do it doubtful unbelieving beloved no truth to that he was so assured he was so confident it was better than cross my heart and hope to die stick a needle in my eye he knew that when God sealed that oath with blood, he had to follow through to the point. You talk about faith with work. Look at James 2, what it says in James chapter 2. This is called perfect faith. Was not Abraham our father justified by works or actions when he offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith Made perfect. You see that? Look at Romans chapter 4. The same thing when Sarah gave birth. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, what God promises, he's able also to perform. He was fully persuaded. That's faith. That what God promised, he was able also to perform. So we see the faith of Abraham took him to the, I don't know what level you would want to call it. We've been asked to do certain things to act out our faith. All of us. Faith without action is dead being alone. But Abraham, go slay your son and know this. I got to raise him from the dead. You talk about an anchor for the soul. Wow. Well, in conclusion, faith is not a leap in darkness. Faith is not following what someone else did. Faith is not foolishness, and faith is not presumption. Faith is finding a promise of God, embracing it, grabbing hold of it, knowing that God cannot lie, and when he made you a promise, he has to fulfill it and can't change from it. That's called faith. You don't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. 
this is how it has to be and that's the only way it can be because God's word does not return void. It accomplishes what he pleases and prospers in the thing whereto he sent it. Now, to what length, what extravagant length would God go to to let us know that he can't lie and he made an oath? Well, it's found in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety. Everybody say a surety. <clears throat> surety means a guarantee. Jesus is God's ironclad guarantee of a better covenant or testament. So what extravagant length would he go to to prove that he would not change, he would not lie when he gave an oath? You know what that was? He made a blood covenant and with the blood of his son. Jesus has a five-fold ministry right now at the right hand of God. He's our high priest. He's our mediator. He's our intercessor. He's our surety. He's our surety. Think about it. He's our advocate. But surety means he's the guarantee who stands behind every word of the covenant. He was the one who took the walk of blood, poured out his blood, not the blood of a heifer, not a ram, not a goat, not a pigeon, not a dove. His blood was shed and poured out and he sealed the covenant with his blood. And once that covenant was sealed by his blood, you and I could have strong faith to stand before the throne of God and say, this is what you said. Do you know 2 Corinthians 2, 20, that says all the promises of God in him, in him are what? Yay, yes, right? And then in the NIV version, it says, and the amen is given by us to the glory of God. In other words, I'm saying amen to his yes. This was my promise to you. This is what I said to you. It's the oath that I've given. I've sealed it by the blood. I'm saying amen to that. That's what amen is really all about. If God said, I'll save you by grace through faith, amen. I believe that. If he says, you call upon my name and I'll save you, he can't deviate from that. He cannot fail to save a sin-sick sinner. If they come to him and say, I'm accepting Christ as my Savior, he can't say, I'm changing my mind because you are too mean. He can't do that. You call upon his name and you shall be saved. But then also we've taken that, we've kind of left that there. But the word salvation means saved, preserved, delivered, healed, set free, made whole. And the list goes on and on. So, Whatever it is that we need from God, we find a promise. See, sometimes we have these little promise books. Find a promise that God has made and listen to this message over and over again and recognize that God sealed that promise by the blood of His Son and He walked the walk of blood and because His blood seals that promise, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and love not our life unto death. So that's why Andrew is alive today because my wife and I stood firm and we said he will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. He will live and declare. The doctor said he can't live. It's impossible for him to live. But we said, uh-uh, we've got a higher authority than you. Praise God. Can we shout the praise of God? Let's all stand together and give him a praise offering.